Welcome to Northgate Christian Fellowship's weekly message series. And now, here is Senior Pastor Ken Jensen. Years ago, uh, more years than I'd like to admit, uh, I was a youth pastor up in Oregon. And, and one of the things we did up there, um, each summer we'd take a group of guys, probably about 10 to 12, it's not a big, huge group that we would take on this trip. Um, usually it was like juniors and seniors. And, and we would go up on the Deschutes River and go whitewater rafting. And it was a really, really cool thing. We just kind of made it kind of an annual deal. And um, it was always a lot of fun. And when you go, anybody here ever done any whitewater rafting? Okay, yeah, tell me. Okay, for those of you who haven't, you are missing something. It's a lot of fun. Um, but what happens is every time we would go up there, and it, it didn't matter you know, how many times you go, every time there would always be a guide with you in your raft. And the first thing you would do after he goes through all the safety precautions and what happens if you fall out of a boat, you know, what to do, I fall out of the raft, what to do, how to, you know, get to shore and all that kind of stuff. The other thing they would do is we'd all get in the raft, we'd launch out and we'd usually put in at a very quiet, you know, place in the river and we would practice paddling. Now, it doesn't take a whole lot to paddle, okay? But they would, every time they'd make us do this. So it'd be, you know, okay, everybody paddle forward, okay? Now everybody paddle backward. Okay, now right side forward, left side backward, you know, and we do this. And, and, and I thought, this is ridiculous. Now, the very first time, I thought, we know how to paddle. Okay, There's, it's not that hard. Put the over in the water, pull, you know, or push. One or the other, okay? Not that hard. But here's what I found out the very first time we did this is it is very important <laughs> that you know how to paddle because when you're whitewater rafting, you're not just drifting down and going with the current, okay? That's a big part of it, but you've got to know how to paddle. You've got to know when to forward paddle. You've got to know when to backward paddle. Because as you come up on a rock, you actually do some back paddling. And as you do that, you get in this current and it just sweeps you around the rock. And that's what all the fun is at. Okay? And so we would do this every time. We would have to go through this learning how to paddle every time. Um, because, but here's the deal. We didn't go on this trip just to drift. I mean, this wasn't a tubing on the lazy river. You know? We went for the rapids. Because that's where the adventure, that's where the thrill, that's what, you know, that's what we, the whole reason we went was to be able to run the rapids. And, and you got to know how to do that. And the whole deal was learning how to use the power of the river's flow, the power of the river's current, to be able to navigate through the rapids. We've been in a series the last couple of weeks learning how to live in the flow of the Holy Spirit. And it's based in Jesus' words where he said, if anyone is thirsty, anyone who is thirsty, let him come to me and drink. And if anyone believes in me, that out of his inmost being would flow streams, rivers of living water. That Jesus was saying is that there is a life that comes from beyond you. That his spirit comes from beyond you, but then it fills you and brings vitality within you so that, so that from without would flow life-giving blessings beyond you. And that's what Jesus was talking about. Paul wrote about it this way to the Ephesian church, chapter 2, if you want to follow along, beginning in verse 4. He says, Because of his great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ, even when we were dead in our transgressions. That's the life that comes from outside of us. That's what he does. And God raised us up with Christ and seated us with him in the heavenly realms in Christ Jesus in order that in the coming ages he might show the incomparable riches of his grace expressed in his kindness to us in Christ Jesus. That's the, that's the filling up part. That, that he's done all these things. He's, he's put this life now within us and it's a different kind of life. For by, it is by grace you have been saved, verse 8, 
through faith, and this is not from yourselves, it is a gift of God, not by works, so that no one can boast. And here's the third part, and this is what we're going to talk about today. For we are his workmanship, God's workmanship, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. That there is something that God has for each and every one of us. And as we've been learning through this whole series, it's going to look differently in each of our lives. But in every one of us, God wants to put his life from outside of us into us and and fill us up in that so that that life-giving flow would go out to those around us. And that's what we're going to talk about this morning. And I want to say something up front. Be very, very clear. Be very, very clear. If your life is in Christ, it is not about comfort and ease. This is not a tubing down the lazy river. He has called you to run the rapids. He's called you to a life of adventure. And your life is not your own. It is God's. And it is His project. And He is at work. And He has reason and He has purpose and He has meaning for your life that is beyond you. And that's what we're going to look at this morning. Because one of the things Paul says, first of all, is that we were created by God's design. You, you were created by God's design. Ephesians 2.10. We are God's workmanship created in Christ Jesus to do good works which God prepared in advance for us to do. We are, you are, His workmanship. You are not an accident. Now, some of you are already going, oh, yeah, 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 you know, the self-esteem, yeah, yeah, positive affirmation, yeah, Tony Robbins, blah, 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 blah. You know, I've heard this all before. That's not what we're talking about. What we're talking about is that God has uniquely designed and created you. He uses a very specific word here when he chooses the word workmanship, God's workmanship. It's only used one other place in the whole Bible, talking about God's creation process. And what it is, the word, the Greek word is poema which is where we get our English word poem. Now, a poem is very, very different than writing a story, than writing a prose. When you write a poem, people, not Mary Had a Little Lamb kind of poetry, okay? Real poetry, meaningful poetry. Every word is carefully chosen. And it is placed with meaning and purpose so that there is, there is rhyme, so that there is meaning, so that there is depth to it. Good poetry, that's what it does. And it is, it is crafted. It's not just a bunch of words thrown together to make it rhyme. It is crafted to convey an idea that prose could never do. And what he is saying is, that is how God thinks of you. You are his work. He is constantly shaping and forming. And he's got all of this raw material that he has created you with. Your body, your mind, your personality, your interests, your hobbies, all those things. Your sense of humor. It's all part of how God uniquely created you. The psalmist wrote it this way, Psalm 139, speaking to God. You created my innermost being. You knit me together in my mother's womb. I praise you because I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Every one of us, uniquely designed by God. So, what I need to do is be grateful and embrace the me God designed me to be. It's for you to embrace and be grateful for who God made you to be. Because to compare your life and your talents or all these other things with other people just devalues your life. And you are God's creation. You know, I, I often wish I was smarter. 
I wish I was more creative. While I'm at it, I wish I was 6'2", had abs of steel, and a lot more hair. You know, I wish, I wish all those things, but it ain't going to happen. That's not how God created me. And God created you specifically. And that you are a work in progress. That he gave all of this raw material. But not only that, and this is what we've been looking at the last couple weeks. What he's doing is he's taking that raw material and he's shaping it and he's forming it into a work of art. And he has all kinds of tools at his disposal. Um, We talked about how he uses scripture and being involved in spiritual disciplines, which renews my mind and changes the way that I think. That he brings people into my life and and relationships to to form me and to teach me about love and patience and all those those spiritual um, fruit that he wants to grow in my life. And he uses circumstances and experiences and it's all God's handiwork shaping and forming your life because you are uniquely his. Now you might ask yourself this morning, can that really be? I mean, why is God so interested in me? And it's millions and millions of people. Why, would he, why is he interested in me? Because it is his nature. There's an amazing sentence. Um, it's found in the Old Testament in Deuteronomy chapter 7. And it's Moses speaking to the nation of Israel. And they're a brand new nation. God has, has saved them out of their slavery in Egypt. And they're on their way towards the land of promise. And, and Moses calls them and he says, you are a chosen people. God has chosen you. But he goes on and he says this in verse 7. The Lord did not set his heart on you and choose you because you were more numerous than other nations. For you were the smallest of all nations. Rather, it was simply that the Lord loves you. Why is he so interested in your life? Because what you find out is what God was doing through the nation of Israel was showing his love to all the world eventually, to every individual. Why does he love you? Why does he love me? Because it is his nature. He simply loves you and loves me for who we are. And I never understood that fully until I became a grandparent. And, you know, you you all know this. Maybe, you know, if you're not a grandparent, okay, you know what your parents have done with your kids, or if you're a kid, you know. If mom and dad won't do it for you, you go to grandma, okay? Because she'll, she'll, you know, she'll make up the difference, okay? She'll take care of you. And I never understood that. And, and I came to a realization about this just recently, that it's not just about being a grandparent. is isn't just about you get to have fun, and then when they get the poopy diaper, you pass them off, okay? Because I can change poopy diapers. That's not the thing. The deal is this. You don't feel the responsibility to raise them with all that discipline. You just get to have fun with them. Because see, when you're a parent, you feel all this responsibility. Well, I can't, you know, I got to make sure they say, you know, I got to make sure that no and yes and all that stuff, you know. When you're a grandparent, it don't matter. You just get to enjoy them for who they are. And I think in some way, that kind of gave me an insight. This is how God looks at us. Now, he's a perfect parent, so he also knows how to discipline us. But he just loves us and enjoys us for who we are. You and me, individually, uniquely, you were created by his design for him to love you. And not only are you created by his design, you were created for God's dwelling. He goes on, for we are God's workmanship created in Christ Jesus. Now, this is a favorite, a favorite phrase of Paul's. You read through the New Testament, and the Apostle Paul wrote most of the New Testament um, letters to churches of the time. And, and one of these phrases, this in Jesus, in Christ, is so prevalent throughout his writings. In fact, just in the passage we read this morning, verses 5 through 7, God made us alive with Christ. God raised us up with Christ in order that in the coming ages he might show us incomparable riches of his grace expressed to us 
to, in his kindness to us in Christ. And that phrase, in Christ, appears in Paul's writings over 160 times. It's a reoccurring thought. It's a reoccurring concept. It's a reoccurring uh, phrase. It's all throughout his writings. Now, here's what I didn't know. I, I learned this this week. If you read through Paul's writings, all of the letters, everything that Paul wrote, he only quotes Jesus' teachings three times. Only three times. In all of the New Testament, all the letters that he wrote, he only actually quotes Jesus' teaching three times. Because as amazing and powerful as Jesus' teachings is, as, as life-changing as his teachings is, there is something far more powerful than that. It is not just about his teachings. It is that Christ is in you. That's the amazing thing. That God, by his spirit, through Christ, actually takes a permanent residence in your life. That his spirit indwells you. And he doesn't come and go based on your behavior. And he doesn't check in and check out based on your performance. He comes and floods your life. He comes to live within you. Bob Munger wrote a book called um, My Heart, Christ's Home. It's a very interesting book. It's been around for a long time now. And what he talks about is this fact that our lives are like a home with all these different rooms. There is the family room where we, we hang out with our family. There is a kitchen in which we, 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 we feed our minds things. There is the rec room, and that's the, that's the recreational part of our lives, the games that we play, the things that we enjoy. And he says, and, the, and what happens when you let Christ into your life, when you begin to open up all those doors, you allow him into every one of those rooms because we've all got them. We've all got family rooms. We've all got kitchens. We've all got rec rooms. We all have hall closets where you throw everything into so nobody sees it when company comes over. And we all got one of those too. And to let Christ live richly within you means to open up every door and allow him permanent residence in every aspect of your life, even the hall closet. And it's not just about access. It's a welcoming access, but it's also authority that I open up my life to say, okay, God, you have a way that you want me to live when it comes to my finances. So I open up the vault, and it's yours now. You have a way in which you want me to enjoy life and so I open up the door to my rec room. You have things that you want to feed my mind and things that I shouldn't be putting into my mind. So I open up to you the kitchen. And there's a deep, dark part of me that I don't let anybody else see. But I open up my hall closet to you too. It is opening up the deepest part of who you are at the very core of your being where you are unlike anybody else. He says, making yourself available to him to fully, fully engage in your life. John Ortberg talks about it in his book, The Me I Want to Be. He describes it as, as the Old Testament temple. In the, in, the, in the architecture of the temple, there was an outer court where everybody could pretty much come and go and, and take part in the temple. But there was also inside that an, an inner court, and that was pretty much only for the priests. It was, it was more of a confined space, and, and very few people would be allowed in there. 
This is the same thing is true in our lives. There's a part of our lives that's the open court. Everybody comes and goes. There's a lot of people we know. They see the outside of me. They see me. But there's only an inner court where only a few people can in. Only a few people I allow in there. There's only a few people that I let them see who I am in the inner court. But he said there's also a third part to the temple. It was called the Holy of Holies. And it was a place there was only room for one, the chief priest and God. And every one of us has a holy of holies. A part of our life that nobody sees. A part of our life that we don't even maybe fully understand about ourselves. But God does. And what we do is we open ourselves up to him. Again, the psalmist David. This is how he put it. Oh Lord, you have searched me and you know me. You know when I sit and when I rise. You perceive my thoughts from afar. You are familiar with all my ways. That I open up my life to the deepest, deepest parts of it for Christ. It is, where, it is where I keep my fears and anxieties. It is where I keep my hopes and my dreams and my deepest longings. It's where, it's where I vent my frustrations and my disappointments. It is where my joys and delights all reside. And there's this part that's inner me that we let Christ into in such a way that it begins to flow out now into our other lives. It's very, very interesting. Jesus left two ordinances for the church, for his followers to practice after he left. Only two. One we're going to celebrate together called communion. In communion, what we do is we eat a morsel of bread and drink from a cup. And in the same way that physically when we eat and when we drink, the nutrients and everything that is in that becomes a part of who we are, becomes a part of our physical bodies. It's all broken down and absorbed into our bodies. In the same way that it happens, he has said, this is a reminder that your life comes from outside of you. That you are now in Christ and Christ is in you. And remember this, that your life does not come from just yourself. It comes from him. And in the same way that you eat and you drink and what you eat and drink becomes a part of your physical body, so you open up the deepest recesses of your life so that Christ can invade every aspect of your being. You take in what Christ has done for you. And then the other ordinance, which we're going to celebrate next Sunday, is baptism. And if you haven't been baptized, this is why this is so important. Because in baptism, I publicly, publicly proclaim, I act out physically, outwardly, the decision I've already made inside. There is this give and take from the inner me to the outer me. And that's why these things are so important. That we always, on a regular basis, remember that our lives are not our own. They come to us as a gift from God by His grace. And that we now publicly declare what he has done in our lives to bring him honor, to extend his kingdom. Because you are his workmanship and because he is in you and because his spirit is flowing and filling you, now you have something to do. He goes on. He says, we are his workmanship, God's workmanship, created in Christ Jesus to do good works which God prepared in advance for us to do. And here's the adventure. Here's where it gets exciting. This is what you were made for. You now become an active participant in what God is doing in this world. That's the adventure. That's the Holy Spirit adventure. Those are the rapids you ride. That's where the thrill comes. That's where the rush comes. Because now you're a part of what God is doing in your, in your life, in the world. That he is taking all that raw material, all that that he created you with, all of that 
personality, all those gifts, all those talents, all those abilities, all those, all those expressions of who you are, all that raw material, he has now taken and he is fashioning it. And what he is doing is he is forming you into someone he can use for his kingdom's sake. Philippians 1.6, he who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. Completion, understand this, completion is not about you. Completion is about God's kingdom. See, so many Christians think, I've, I just got to pour stuff into my mind. I got to learn more. I got to know more. I got to take more classes. I got to listen to more sermons. I got to order more tapes. I got to read more books. I got to do all these things because it's all about what I get inside of me. And it's me, 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 me. And it's not. Completion is not what you get in you. Completion is what you live out. Bringing it to completion. And we know it's because a little bit later on, he says, God is working in you. Chapter 2, verse 13. God is working in you. And he wants your plans and your acts to be in keeping with his good purpose. Or the old King James says, work out what God is working in you. That's completion. It's not about how much you take in. It's about how much you serve out. Completion is not about you. And the good works that he has for you to do is not a list of chores. It's not a honeydew list. You just check off, okay, well, now I did that one. Okay, now I do this one. It's not duties. It's not obligations. What it is, the good works are opportunities. Opportunities for you to touch another life for eternity's sake. Mike Bro wrote a book called Making Ripples. And he says, it's like when you jump into a pool and you make the splash and the ripples go out. And they just go out, out and, they, and if you're in a pool, they bounce off the side and they come back in. But as the ripples go out, they, they, they touch other people. And if you're not in a pool, the ripples just keep going and going and going. And they just keep touching more and more people. And he said, that's our life in Christ. Making ripples. Touching other people. Now, he also talks about there are two ways to get into the water. Okay? There are some people, they get into the water, they're toe dippers. Okay? They, you know, they stick a toe in, oh, it's, it's cold. And maybe they'll step in and get up to their ankles, you know, and then maybe up to their knees. And then it starts getting up to the waist. And oh, 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 it's cold. Oh. And it takes them a half hour to get in the water. Okay? How many toe dippers do we have here this morning? Yeah, there's a few of you, okay? There is another way to get in the water. That cannonball, absolutely. The cannonball, the cannonball, you just jump in and make as big a splash as you possibly can. And what he says is, you were created to make a splash. Jump in. Don't be a toe dipper. Jump in. Make a splash. Because that's what God created your life to do, to make ripples, to ripple out on people and to touch them with the kingdom to make a difference in this world. Your life is not a lazy river tubing. It's an adventure. It is a white water adventure. And to fully live that is to jump in and make a splash. And no two splashes are alike. Because every one of us is uniquely made. Uniquely gifted. 
So many people think, well, because I can't stand up in front of crowds, you know, hundreds of people and talk excerpt, you know, because I can't do that, I'm of no use to the kingdom of God. You could not be further from the truth. Because God has created you. You are his workmanship in Christ to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. He's already got these plans out there for you. He's got the rapids, he want, the white water he wants you to run. That's the way he created you. And he gave you these gifts, and he gave you this personality, he gave you that sense of humor, as quirky as it is, you know? And he put these people in your life so that you would become a part of what he's doing in this world. You are uniquely wired up, and you are uniquely situated. On the job, in your neighborhood, in the classroom, and whether you are 55 or 15, You've got a part to play in what God's doing in this world. And he has put you where he has put you and he has gifted you how he has gifted you for a reason. What will that look like? I don't know. Not for you, I don't know. I'm still discovering it for myself. But here's a way that I think you can start. And here's here's your homework assignment, okay? Tomorrow morning... And I was challenged by this a couple of years ago, and I started doing it. I wish I could say I do it every day. I am relearning this again. But here's what I would like, encourage you to do. Tomorrow morning, before, when you wake up, okay, when you first wake up, and we all wake up differently, okay? You know, some of us are just, some of us are morning people. <laughs> There's two kinds of people in the world. There are morning people and people who hate morning people, okay? Um, and I don't know which one of those you are, but before, when you wake up, before your feet hit the floor, before you get out of bed, just this simple prayer, Lord... This is a day that you have made. And you've given this to me. And I don't know who I'm going to come in contact with. And I know there's all kinds of deadlines and all kinds of projects and things i got to get done. And I don't know how if I'm going to get it, get it all done because I have certainly not enough hours in the day. But this is a day that you have made. And you know what I need to do and who I need to speak to and who's going to come across my path. So before I even get out of bed, Lord... I welcome you and your presence in my life. Holy Spirit, flow through me today. And then maybe when you get up and you take a shower, which is always interesting why we take a shower when we just got out of bed. We haven't done anything to get dirty. Um, But you take a shower. When you are taking your shower, and as you're washing your body, just this little prayer. Lord, cleanse my heart. Clean up my mind, because there's all kinds of dirty, yucky stuff that goes through my brain every day. Clean me up. Help me think pure thoughts today. Guide my mind. As I clean my body, would you clean my spirit? Would you clean my soul? Would you clean my heart and my mind? And then, as you go through your day, wherever you go, just be on the lookout for what God is doing. Start learning to hear His voice because He is speaking. His spirit is flowing. And it might be just this this tug on your heart. It might be just an impression or an idea that he puts in your mind. I don't know what it's going to look like. You know, I have people, sometimes people ask me, you know, I I hear people talk about God told me this and God told me that and and I've never experienced that. How come God doesn't tell me anything? Well, because he likes them better than he likes you. No. No, not at all. God speaks to different people different ways. 
But he is speaking. And his spirit is moving. And he's invited you into this adventure. And so, just as you go through the day, and you, you, you get this prompting, this feeling, this kind of tug in your heart, like you, you ought to talk to this person, or, or you ought to make a phone call to this friend, or, or whatever it might be. Instead of dismissing it, instead of just, ah, yeah. say yes. Just say yes and do it. Because maybe that's the Spirit tugging at your heart. Just maybe He wants you to do something. And just maybe if you say yes and you actually do it, you will learn to hear His voice a little bit better. Maybe it will be an idea that comes through your mind. And something that you weren't even thinking about. Somebody you weren't even thinking about. But, but they go through your mind. And, and maybe it's just, would you pray for them? You don't even know what's going on in their life. You haven't seen them, talked with them in years maybe. But just, they go through your mind. Just a simple prayer. Lord, I don't know what's going on. But I believe you brought them to my mind. So I just want to lift them up to you. Whatever they're going through, whatever they're facing right now, may they just know that you're with them. You know, just, just, just learn to say yes. And respond to those promptings. Because it just may be the Spirit. Now you might ask the question, how will I know if it's God? How will I know if it's really God? I don't know that one for you either. But I can give you some guidelines. If it's God, it will always be for good. If it's from God, it will bring value and worth to somebody else. If it is God speaking, it will not violate Scripture. If you think God is telling you to do something that you want to do and you're just giving, you know, using God as an excuse to be able to do it, but it's contrary to Scripture, it ain't God because He will not violate His Word. And likely, likely if it's of God, it will in some way produce, either in you or in somebody else, love, joy, peace, Patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, self-control. Because that's the fruit of the Spirit. And when His Spirit speaks, when His Spirit flows, those are the things that grow out of it. I don't know. I don't know how God will speak to you. But I do know, I do know that you will never learn to listen to Him if you don't start saying yes. So just tomorrow, just try this for one day before you get out of bed. Lord, this is your day, and I don't know what it has for me, but you do. I just welcome your presence. Holy Spirit, flow through me. And as I shower, Lord, clean me and wash me and prepare me for this day and keep my thoughts pure. And then when you go through the day and you encounter people, just ask this little question, God, what are you doing in their life that you need me to add to? What, what could I do to bring value and worth to them? What's your spirit speaking? And, and just start to say yes. Just start to say yes. See, there's an interesting thing. If I pursue my life trying to fill it with meaning and purpose, if, if, if the aim of my life is to try and add value to my own life by, by learning more, taking more in, and doing that, I end up empty. But if I surrender my life 
and I give it over to God, and I start being used by Him, and I start touching lives and rippling out and making an impact, somehow, somehow, my life is fulfilled. That's how His Spirit works. If all of my life is about filling it with what I think is important and what I think adds value to it, I will end up empty every time. But if I make it giving and serving and reaching out, my life becomes filled. And if you get nothing else this morning, get this. Write it down if you have to. But I want you to understand, your spiritual growth, your spiritual growth will not progress beyond your willingness to serve. It will not progress beyond your willingness to serve. Doesn't matter how many books, how many sermons, how many whatever, it will not progress beyond your ability and willingness to serve because it's in the serving that he completes his work. Colossians 3, 23. Paul put it this way. Whatever you do, that covers a lot of territory. Whatever you do, whatever you do, Work at it with all your heart as working for the Lord. Or as Mike Bro would put it, make a splash. <laughs> make a splash. Do you bow your heads with me? Thank you for listening to this week's message. We trust that you'll join us again soon for another uplifting message from Northgate Christian Fellowship located in Venetia, California. Yeah.